Thank you very much, Liz. So, this morning, we're going to be taking inspiration from what I think of almost as the forgotten man of Christmas, uh, Joseph, husband of Mary, foster father of our Lord Jesus. You know, the Bible doesn't report Joseph as ever saying anything, but you get the sense with Joseph that although he may be a man of very few words, his actions speak louder than anything he could possibly have said. Church tradition, as you may well know, has it that Joseph was quite a bit older than Mary, but we don't know that for sure. In the culture of the time, it was quite common for men in their late 20s who'd worked just enough years to be able to afford to marry to take a wife who might be 10 years or so younger than themselves. But it's also quite possible that Joseph and Mary were more or less similar ages, maybe in their teens. We just don't know for sure. But what we do know from this story is that uh, Joseph was a man of integrity, faith, and perhaps above all, a man of the most remarkable maturity, even if he was 10 years older than Mary. Nowadays, we're quite relaxed about children being conceived and born out of wedlock, uh, much more so than we were even a very few generations ago, when it was a matter of profound shame. Uh, my father, Francis, was born just over a hundred years ago in a small Wiltshire village. He only spent a few weeks with his mother. He never met her again. Before she'd become visibly pregnant, she'd been uh, sent away from a nearby town to stay for a number of months with the village midwife in Atworth. Soon after Francis was born, he was adopted by a lovely local family. I still have his adoption paper in handwriting by the uh, parish vicar in which Francis Gingell uh, becomes the true child of George Lucas and his wife. Uh, Francis's mother, uh, her name was Alice, uh, gave up all rights to him and witnesses the agreement in this document. She witnesses it with her mark, an ink cross. Now, Francis's father and mother never told him that he was adopted until he needed his birth certificate. Uh, and when did he need it? It wasn't until he was 21 years old and was called up to join the army at the outbreak of war. Uh, but fortunately, although his parents didn't realise that he knew he'd been, uh, that he, uh, he knew he'd been adopted, he did know, uh, because he'd overheard the story from village gossips a number of years earlier. But it was considered such a sensitive matter that it was never ever spoken about and he'd never spoken about it with his adoptive parents and neither had they with him. All of that seems pretty sad and uncomfortable um, but 
uncomfortable as some of our own cultural practices may have been in the very recent past, things were even much, much more harsh when Jesus was born. We're told that Mary and Joseph were betrothed, but not yet married. We're specifically told that Joseph and Mary hadn't made love. Also, that initially Joseph had no idea that Mary had become pregnant by any sort of divine act. Now, the law of the time was very clear. Even if you were betrothed and not yet married, you were bound to your prospective husband. And what did the law say? The law said that a woman who was guilty of this should be put to death by stoning. So Joseph faces an enormous dilemma, doesn't he? He's a good man. It's very easy sometimes to think of good people as being law-abiding. Um, he could have had her stoned to death for adultery because that's what the law said was his right. But Joseph isn't a lawman. He's not a rules man. When he learned about Mary's pregnancy, he, he considers the softer option of divorcing her. But even then, he wanted to do it in a way that wouldn't call attention to the actual reason. Just imagine what must have gone through his mind. Feelings of anger, of betrayal, confusion most certainly. Uh, although he thinks Mary has had sex with someone else, such is his love and concern for Mary that he doesn't want her to be shamed. And so he, well, in effect, he helps hush it up. It's arranged that Mary will leave the village and go and stay with her distant cousin Elizabeth. He brings forward the marriage so that people in Nazareth are able to simply assume that they've, well, uh, jumped the gun. Let's pause just there for a few moments, bow our heads and reflect. Now, imagine you're Joseph. How do you feel? How would you react? What would the conversation between Joseph and Mary have been? How would we have handled things differently from Joseph? Would we have done what Joseph did? Lord, we thank you for the example of Joseph and ask that he may become an inspiration to us. Amen. Joseph, of course, gets to know the improbable story about Mary's pregnancy because an angel tells him. Angels, as you all know, had a pretty busy time in the run-up to Christmas. Um, Mary meets an angel, so later do the shepherds. I think the wise men do, don't they? Uh, remember, this was before the followers of Jesus had uh, received the Holy Spirit as a guide, so... Uh, a, 
before the Jews had received the Holy Spirit as guide. So maybe that's one of the reasons why angels came rather than the Holy Spirit working within people. I don't know. But the angel who's on to Joseph's case meets him in a dream while Joseph is asleep. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What she has conceived is conceived through the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son whom you will call Jesus the Saviour for it is he who will save people from their sins. Now, I don't know whether you've been watching The Crown, uh, you'll know just how strongly the Duke of Edinburgh felt about the naming of his children. It's a, a pretty natural thing. I'm a father of daughters, so I was very used to the idea that my surname would, well, it will end with me. But I can't tell you how wonderful it was to be told that my first grandchild was going to be given Lucas as a first name. Um, so how might Joseph have felt? Uh, well, if I'm going to adopt a child, at least I ought to get to choose his name. No, Joseph recognises the honour of his unique position, that he has an important part to pay in, play in what the prophets have predicted. And so... From before the birth of Christ, Joseph has a sense of the great mission of his adopted son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, not just man of compassion, a man of faith as well. So when you hear the Christmas story in future, let me tell you, Joseph will hardly ever feature how many carols do we sing about Joseph? But from now on, when the Christmas story is told, let your mind drift a bit. I mean, of course, we're always focused precisely on what people are saying. But if your mind drifts, let it drift off towards Joseph, uh, who adopted Jesus and whose part in the story of Christ's coming can surely be an inspiration to us all. It was the Apostle Paul who just a few decades later came up with the most perfect description of true love. Um, you will know it, but I don't mind telling you again. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not proud or rude. Love is not seeking and not self-seeking or easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I, I think Joseph's love for Mary matched Paul's description of love absolutely precisely. Uh, let's sing again. Emmanuel, God with us. Life